Hello and welcome to Empire Builders, the place for entrepreneurs, business owners and experts who want to build an epic empire. I'm Nick James and thanks for joining me here today. In this episode, I'm joined by the man that I like to call the king of cash flow, Mr. George Theodosiu. Welcome to the Empire Builders podcast. How are you doing, mate? Thank you very much, mate. Thanks for having me. I'm doing great. How are you doing? Yeah, really good, pal. Really good. So um, I'm really excited about this episode. I think that cash flow has in the past been one of the biggest pain areas, certainly for me, in the early stages of growing my business. I know for many entrepreneurs, business owners, um, this is basically the be all and end all. This is where they screw up. This is where the business gets in trouble. Um, and so I think your your system, your process, which you've shared with me and of course shared on stage at our Expert Empires events um, a few times now, it is just a great structure for people to follow when it, when it comes to cash flow, So um, before we dive in, and we are going to get into, in this episode, quite specific tactical how to manage your cash flow. Um, before we get into that, um, maybe just give us a bit of, uh, for those that maybe don't know you, um, a bit of background. Like how did you become the cash flow guy? How did that happen? <laughs> yeah, interesting question. Um, basically, I kind of like, it happened accidentally. I fell into working in the insolvency industry. Um, so those of you that are not too familiar with what industry that is, it's the industry that deals with bankruptcies and liquidations uh, and things like that. So um, I was working in that industry for six months, so back in uh, 2006. And in July 2006, I experienced someone commit suicide because of money problems in their business. And it just really woke me up. And um, ever since then, I've just been on a mission. Um, to find out more information, find out more about what the causes were, the roots to this problem, the effects on people's businesses and by extension, their relationships and their life. And and it's just become like the thing that I'm obsessed with. And I just feel like for me, uh, and I feel really good about arguing this with, with anyone in the world, or a better word would be debating it, let's say, is that everything else in business is great and obviously important but it gets undone if there's cash flow problems. So for you to have great cash flow, it predetermines that you've got something to offer and sell people products or services. It predetermines sales. It predetermines some level of marketing. But some of the biggest companies in the world did not have a problem with marketing or sales, but they had a serious, are we allowed to swear or what? <laughs> a serious problem with uh, cash flow. Mate, we've had Paul Moore on this podcast. You're all right to swear. Thanks fuck for that. <laughs> so, so yeah, I think, I think, um, I love how you describe this and how you, um, explain it. Um, certainly, uh, to me when we spoke about this before and, and on stage at our events that frankly, look, I mean, no one ever, and you, you know, you talked about the experience of somebody you knew well, um, committing suicide due to, to cash flow problems, which is of course, you know, uh, like absolute horrendous and as bad as it gets quite frankly, but you know, no one ever, I think you shared this uh, with, with me and on our stage, like no, no one falls out with their partner or spouse because they've got great cash flow or nobody, um, you know, no, nobody's business gets into trouble when they've got great cash flow. Now the might, by the way, I'm not saying that once you've got great cash flow, all of life's problems are solved and you're happy because there's plenty of people that have got great cash flow that are miserable. 
it's but it is one less thing to be worried about. And as far as business goes, like you say, it feeds everything else. Once I solved this problem, I was able to grow and scale my business in a way that I was never able to before because I was in a position to be able to invest in marketing. I was in a position to aggressively invest in marketing. I was I was in a position to be able to invest in growth of our team. Um, and quite frankly, it's just nice to be able to sleep at night knowing with certainty that cash flow isn't a problem, that you know, that the wages are going to be paid, no problem, that bills are going to be paid, no problem, you know, and that we're stable. It's just a nice place to be. And and I never had that before because I didn't have a system to follow. So I, I think what you do, what you teach is just invaluable. And it might not be as quote unquote sexy as the latest marketing fad that's going to get you a load of leads and a load of new clients or customers or sales. But it is actually, in my mind, more critical, more important than that. So um, with that, I guess, um, let's get stuck in. So you've got six steps uh, to cash flow on tap, as you call it, George. So um, yeah, take it away, man. Like, like get stuck in, give us the first step. And we'll, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll discuss and um, debate and chat as we go through this, of course. So, um, yeah, how, how does it all start? What are the what are the key principles that somebody needs to get to understand in order to have great cash flow? Yeah, so um, we've got six clear steps. Um, and the great thing about these steps is, um, if I do say so myself, is really it's just it's a nice, solid foundation for you to build your existing and other future businesses from and it just evolves and grows as your business grows um but absolutely agree with what you said a moment ago about this doesn't solve all your problems um it doesn't necessarily mean that you're automatically going to be happier um but uh, again you also alluded to what i shared on stage at expert empires um which is look, the reality is is that in england and wales there's 55 companies per day on average that go bust um and, and it's cash flow problems and again like couples don't get divorced because they've got great cash flow um no one's ever won parent of the year because they had shit cash flow or no one's ever become the best version of themselves because they've had, um, you know, really poor cash flow. So it's just about having these things. It just really made me think about how you run your business and how you live your life. If we can get rid of on an ongoing basis, this distraction of cash flow worries, and it actually doesn't make a difference where you, whether you're turning over 10 pound a year, a hundred grand a year or 10 million a year, you know, we've got clients that range from £25,000 a year in annual turnover up to £12 million. And the concerns and the conversations and the sleepless nights are exactly the same, just there's more zeros. Um, so I just wanted to, to um, just frame what we're about to go through. Yeah, and, and I think to underline it, mate, I mean, you know, 55 businesses a day go out of business and, you know... <laughs> I, I guarantee none of them have great cash flow. It's, it's cash flow issues that finally sink the ship, as it were. And and think of, you've alluded to it already, I mean, think of the knock-on effect to that. Like, you know, uh, as you know, George, my my parents, Tony and Nikki, work with couples um, on relationships. And, you know, that they've shared with me that invariably one of the biggest points of contention or reason why couples, um, you know, uh, relationships get into trouble and, and end in divorce. It, a lot of the time it's because of um, stuff that's nothing to do with the relationship. It's cash flow problems. It's 
It's, you know, um, differences of opinion around money and how to manage money. It's, you know, the family business or the, the main source of income, which might be a business um, if, if the uh, one of the partners is a, a business owner, entrepreneur goes under and, and it puts a strain on everything else. So, yeah, I, re- I really believe that the 55 businesses a day in England and Wales, by the way, we've got international audience here. So, you know, you could 100x that number probably internationally. I'm probably under underdoing it there. It's probably way more than that. Um, you, you could thousand x that number internationally and think about the pain and frustration and the 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 damage that's caused to lives as a result of that. So you know this is why George is on this mission, uh, and this is why I, I wanted him on the podcast because I think it's a, a critical subject. So um, yeah, mate, let, let's let's get stuck in. What's the first step? Yeah, cool. So step number one is we have to establish how much it actually costs to run the business. Um, so whilst this episode is about cash flow and whilst I'm obsessed with it, um, ultimately um, we do have to add something to it. It has to be profitable cash flow. So step one is very simply about just making sure that you know exactly how much money you need just to open up a business. You know, and these these cover things like how much are you going to pay your accountant every year? How much are you going to pay for insurances? You know, to keep the telephone lines connected and, you know, have access to the internet, you know, so you can run your business. And, you know, if you've got an office space, rent and rates and, you know, these kind of things that we have to spend money on just to open up. Like, so we need to establish that. That's step one is what is that? So are you talking, are you talking about fixed costs specifically there? Exactly. Fixed operating costs. So um, when we look at our accounts that are filed, whether we're sole traders or limited companies, We've got the turnover, we've got the cost of sales, which then take away the cost of sales from the turnover equals the gross profit. Then you take away the operating costs. These are the fixed costs that do not change. Um, And ultimately, it's not a one and done, like do it once and that's it, never look at it again. Really, you need to review this every three months and or when you get a new significant expense that gets added to the list. Yeah, 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 and and I mean, you'd be horrified. Like, I'm sure you, I'm sure you know, George. But like, you know, I work with hundreds of of business owners at any given time, and uh, the majority, if I was to ask them, what are your fixed monthly operating costs, they couldn't tell me accurately. Like, they could probably, you know, do some quick back of a fag packet maths. Um, or, or quick mental calculation and come up with something rough, but they probably haven't got it, um, you know, on a spreadsheet as such, uh, where they could give me an exact number. And I think that that is, you know, that is important as a start yeah. for sure. Absolutely, mate. I mean, there's there's certain numbers that I believe um, we need to know, just like literally, like our birthday, like literally, yeah. like you know, one one should be like, how much you need to earn every day? Like, what's your daily break even? Yeah, um, monthly expenses by extension. Um, how much does it cost to get your client, you know, whether it's time or money? Because, you know, some of the smaller businesses won't necessarily have loads of money to throw at marketing. So it's it's the time investment. Um, you know, how long does it take for like, the lead time? How long does it take for you to meet someone who's interested to them? They actually put some money in your account and become a client. Um, how much does the average client spend with you? How many months or years is a client, you know, normally with you? You know, th- these, these, these kind of numbers are critical. You know, numbers don't lie. You know, we all lie to ourselves on different levels. We lie to other people on different levels, you know, if we're having an open, honest conversation now. But numbers do not lie. Hey, it's Nick here. 
We'll get back to the show in the moment. I just wanted to tell you about a brand new free training I've put together for you, all about how I went from zero to six figures, to seven figures, to multi seven figures in my business very, very quickly. So you can go and download that brand new free training at expertempires.com forward slash free training. Uh, and when you do that, you'll also be given the opportunity to book a free no obligation strategy call with one of my team so they can help you individually plot your plan to growing your business from wherever it is right now, if it's zero to get to six figures fast, or if it's already at six figures to move it to seven figures or multi seven figures as quickly as possible. So go to expertempires.com forward slash free training. Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, straight away, we've only done one of the six steps, but there's a, there's a lot of info that you've just given about um, knowing, well, there's four that I wrote down here real quick, four numbers that you should know. Um, and I'm, I'm wary that I don't want people to get overwhelmed here. Uh, but you're right. You know, once you know these numbers, you're in a much stronger position, a much better position to make good decisions about how much money I'm prepared to invest in this marketing campaign. Or, you know, how, what's the, the likely period of time that's going to lapse between me generating this lead, this opportunity, and closing the deal and getting the money in the bank. All of these numbers are really important to know. Um, and again, you know, uh, as you say, numbers don't lie and knowing them uh, is a good start. And a lot, a lot of people don't. The fact is, no one teaches you this. Like, li listen, mate, I, in my early 20s, late teens, early 20s, I went to university and studied business studies. I didn't learn this stuff, which is ridiculous, really, when you think about it. I didn't, But I didn't learn how to manage cash flow. I, I, I learned stuff about essentially how to work in a business, in a large business, a large corporation. But I didn't learn how to actually run, you know, a small business at this level. So, yeah, I think this this kind of education, this kind of training is, is well, it should be on the curriculum, I think, for for any startup, uh, any kind of wannabe get started entrepreneur for sure. Um, good. So, first of all, establish operating costs. Know that number. Review it quarterly. What What's next? Yeah. So next is, um, you know, we've already touched on it is, is your daily break even. So how much do you need to earn every day? Um, now just backtracking a sec. So, you know, I know that over the last three decades, 55 businesses in England and Wales go bust between Monday and Friday, every single day. Um, one in four of those, so 13 out of those 55 on average per day are trades and construction related businesses. And so wow. that, that, that's why I'm in that space. It, you know, it's kind of like half by choice, half by like necessity. I just, by accident, you know, I, I just tend to spend over the years, I've spent a lot more time with trades, which is why we now exclusively work with trades and are building something very, very special for the trades and construction industry. But it's massive. It's massive. And also, um, as much as every single business owner at some point in some way shape or form in some context has always had someone could be characterized as negotiating but someone at some point has tried to bring our prices down our fees down these guys in the trades industry like in many cases they go through this stuff every fucking day like imagine every single day you go and do a quote and that like six or seven or eight quotes depending on the size of the business and at least one of those is going to be saying, oh, what can you do on the price? Oh, you know, I don't really, I don't really want to pay that, or I can't pay. Like, 
we don't do that when we go to Sainsbury's. We don't do that when we go to an accountant. We don't go. We don't do that when we go and buy, you know, an office check. Do you see what I mean? It's just these guys are under it, um, and that's one of the reasons why, you know, they're they're one in four. Um, and I'm on a mission by by the time I die um, to change that stat. But and by the so, way, mate, it's not. It's it's um it's partly um it's partly conditioning as well that. Um, and, and by the way, it's not just trades and construction that have that problem. A lot of people that I work with in the service, I think it's probably true of all service-based businesses or many service-based businesses that, that you know, price, negotiating on price, haggling, trying to get a deal kind of happens um, quite, quite regularly. Whereas in retail, it's less common. Um, you know, when you, like you say, you don't haggle on the price of a pint of milk when you go to Sainsbury's, do you? Um, but, you know, it's more common in the service-based business and I do think that that's um, become, it's almost because so the service industry has tolerated it, it's become worse. Like because people like, you know, and I'm not just digging trades out, it's the same for, you know, a lot of people we work with are coaches and um, speakers and experts, but because it's become the norm, it's become tolerated, um, it, it, it kind of persists. And because um, it persists, it will continue to persist. So I think, yeah, I, th I think there's there's something that needs to ch fundamental shift that needs to occur. And I know that you're really, really all over this with the the trades and construction businesses you work with about pricing and how to position price and therefore avoid any of that haggling negotiation. Because ultimately, as you've got here, step number two uh, to cash flow on tap is to know what your daily break even number is in terms of income. And, you know, if you're doing work uh, at a rate that's below that, you, you're guaranteed to fail. You're guaranteed to lose money. Yeah, exactly. And um, you're exactly right. Well, I think, you know, on, on some level, we all experience it in every single industry. Um, it's just a case of um, uh, I've got this saying, which is like, even if you, if you have to reduce your prices to win a job or win a client, you still lose. And there is a caveat in that, that you know, there's, there's levels to it. But what that means is, A, you're, you're sacrificing a bit of profit, firstly, um, you know, and, and obviously we're obsessed with numbers here. Um, and, and secondly, like the dynamic, you know, if, if a client feels like they can literally just reduce your prices without them having to give something additional in return. So don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that I've never reduced a fee. What I've done is made sure that it's a two-way street. So both parties walk away from that negotiation so that they can move forward. They're both happy. No one feels like they've got the short straw, like the deal's lopsided, yeah. um, you know. So so there's levels to it. But ultimately... What, what I would say, mate, is it, for me, uh, personally, funnily enough, I, I sent um, uh, an existing, very loyal client. Um, I sent over a, a proposal yesterday um, for them to enroll in quite a significant amount of training going forward next year. And and the, there's a discount that's been applied. And the reason the discount's been applied is because they've already invested six figures with us over the last couple of years. So there's 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 a bit of gesture of goodwill, client loyalty discount, but that is very different to, you know, very different. getting hammered down on price by, you know, a first purchase, a customer that's making their first purchase with you. So I think I think it's got to, it's this has got to be taken within the context of the conversation, the client, the person that you're dealing with. But you know, as a general rule of thumb, people are far too quick. I think this is a fair statement. People are far too quick to discount 
and be have their price or their rates reduced in order to win a deal. Yeah, and do you know what's mad is that um, again, I just look for analogies and similarities in other businesses, other industries, like just in life in general. But like if you take any conversation between two people, you know, some sort of a relationship, whether it's business and people like like you say far too quick to drop their prices. Um, so therefore you come across as a bit desperate or you meet someone at a, you know, a, a game of football or whatever, and, and, and they're a bit too eager to like meet up tomorrow or meet up next week or, or you're in a bar and you're a single guy and you get chance to someone and, and you're a bit too eager. Like that is just the, the wrong negative energy that you're putting out there in any kind of relationship. It puts somebody off, doesn't it? Like if you look or feel or sound desperate, it, it kind of repels people away from you. Um, and, and ironically, when you're not attached, um, certainly this has been my experience, um, the less attached you are to the outcome, the more you seem to attract that outcome. I, d- I don't know how that works. It's weird, but it just does. Um, and I think that's true in negotiation over, you know, over price or investment in business. I think it's true everywhere else as well. And so what the, re- the reality is, is there's some people that are going to be listening to this thinking, Oh shit, that's me. Like, I've been that fucking desperate guy um, or girl. Um, but there's the you know let that 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 thought continuity um, carry on because there's probably been a few people that now are going to pop in your mind to think, well, actually that person was a bit desperate or a bit too too strong, and, and actually I just wanted to you know step away for a bit. So there's yeah. two two sides to it. So going back to the the step two daily break even. The reality is is if you're looking at like you know how much you, your business needs to earn every day and you can see how much money's coming in. Uh, and obviously with trades guys, they can see what jobs are coming in and, and, and the money uh, attached to it. But ultimately, you can see whether you've had a, a profit day or a loss day. Have more profit days in business, you're winning. I mean, like, sorry to burst any bubbles and, and make it as simple as that, but obviously there's a lot more that goes into it. But, you know, just keep it as simple as possible. How much do I need to earn? Right, how many clients do I need to enroll or see or you know, um, close or, or deliver training to, you know, per week, per month, so that we hit that target. Wicked. Um, we've done two of six steps. We need to get <laughs> on. So well, I knew this had happened because we, you know, we know each other well and we always, um, we always elaborate on all this stuff and get into a discussion. So uh, step two, know your day, daily break even point um, in terms of income that you need to generate, which of course, once you know step one, um, what your fixed operating costs are, then that, feeds into step two. Um, what's step three, mate? Yeah, step three is just um, how could you possibly have the best start to every month financially? And for me, very simply, is um, if you haven't already got this in your business, but I know a lot of your viewers will, um, have a subscription membership model um, element to the business. So any anyone that pays you um, on a monthly basis, on a monthly retainer or a monthly membership or subscription has to pay you on the first of every month in advance of that month. Um, that way you have the best start to the month. And then by extension, you want to have all of your own uh, standing orders and direct debits to run your business. Like we mentioned in step one with the operating costs, you know, how much you pay for accountant, telephone, internet, whatever, every month. Have that, those uh, standing orders and direct debits, your expenses come out in the first 10 days of every month so that by the 11th of every month, all the money in your accounts, in your business accounts and your personal accounts is your money. So, you know, we've all had an unexpected expense at some point, you know, the boiler's packed up, you know, the engine's gone on the car or, you know, there's a leak in the house or whatever it is. 
It just means that when you're this organized um, and you get an unexpected expense, you have an opportunity to tighten your belt versus, like for the rest of the month, versus being in a position where you've got standing orders and direct debits coming out sporadically throughout the entire month. That money's still going to come out um, and then you've got more chance of dipping into an overdraft or using some uh, credit card facility or, or a bit of debt just to get through that month. And we all have an unexpected expense. We can all have a bad month. But what happens if it happens two months in a row or three? You know, I often look at a lot of my clients' um, um, profit and loss and balance sheets and, you know, look at what's going on in the business. And I'm looking at thinking, bloody hell, you've had some bad luck here, man. You've got like five vans on the road. Um, and for three months, you've had in excess of £10,000 per month for three months of, me of mechanics bills. Like, okay, yeah, realistically, that's not going to happen um, for the rest of the year. But what happens if it does? Yeah, you need to be in a position where you can stomach those problems as and when they occur. I mean, COVID's a great example of this, where you know a lot, a lot of uh, a lot of businesses, of course, took a hit um, in certain industries in particular. And so, you know, having like actually, I mean, I've shared this before on on the podcast. I think the thing that meant that we were pretty stable during, um, you know, certainly at the start of the pandemic, um, when everyone else was freaking out, was that we had um, consistent, regular income, regular cash flow from payments that were coming in from clients on a monthly basis. Now, interestingly, I've not uh, applied this um, specific uh, principle, but I do think it's very good. I wish I'd known this at the start. I'll say this um, to anyone who's in the early stages of your business. This is brilliant advice. I haven't done it, um, albeit you know I could still, I suppose, change how we do things. Um, and get everyone who's paying on subscription to pay on the first of the month. Um, we, we actually have, you know, subscriptions due sporadically throughout the month. But I think the uh, we do payment runs, to be fair. So the expenditure uh, goes out, you know, we do a mid-month pay run and an end-of-month pay run. So I think having that structure does make things a lot cleaner. But I, I think, you know, had I done this from day one, um, I would have had a much more steady uh well i would have had much more structure around cash flow and a much more um stable business financially from day one so i think again anyone who receives payments from clients or customers on a regular monthly basis i agree getting them all lined up for the first of the month or regular monthly expenditure going out on the 10th i think that's or, or the first 10 days I think that's very smart um i really like that i remember george when you first shared that on our stage i was like that is bloody genius um, so I'd highly recommend that approach for anyone. Um, the easy, you know, if it's easy for you to implement, then just do it immediately. Um, if it's more complex, then maybe it's something you need to do over time. I was literally about to say, Nick, you fucking killed me there, mate, with the advice. We've got to start again. How can, how can you not have implemented this? But um, at the same time, you just saved it right at the end there. But it, in your defence, there is levels to this. And um, well, man, we've, got, we've got over 100 people that are paying on monthly subscription and they pay at various different times of the month. Um, now, you know, for us to go to 100 plus different people and adjust it would be a big project. Now, I'm not saying we couldn't do it, um, but, we, you know, uh, and, and maybe we should. But I, th I think, again, like you said, there's levels to it. And I think if somebody's put it this way, if your business is sub 100 grand a year right now, and you've got clients paying monthly, I'd 100% I'd recommend you do this as a matter of urgency. Um, the bigger your business gets, of course, um, you know, the, 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 it might, this process might be less relevant. Um, but I do think that, you know, the, the fundamental principle is very smart.
Yeah, no, what I was going to add to that was um, you're 100% right, definitely sub 100, uh, 100K a year. There is levels to this. And actually, um, I mean, without looking uh, you know, under the bonnet of your of your business, but a business of your size, you could very easily get to, get to, to become a different type of game, a really interesting game where you've got certain services or certain categories of client that are paying you on a monthly retainer that might come out on the first of the month, but then another another one on the 10th, another one on the 20th, as an example. But then you know that different categories of clients paying you a certain amount of money every month covers your operating costs. Then that covers that. Like you, you can start playing a different game with it, so you can see actually all the profit is coming from like a, a group of clients because yeah. everything else has already been taken care of. Um, and that leads on to step four, which is bank account management. Yeah, I mean one th- one thing I will say before we go into it, what I do know is our fixed monthly operating costs, and what I do know. Uh, with certainty is our monthly recurring income number, which does come in, you know, like at random times between the first and the 30th of each month or 31st of each month. But I know that number two is bigger than number one, which means we're in good shape. And that, that was always, that was, that was an ambition of mine from many years ago to go, I want to get us to the point where our monthly recurring income is greater than our fixed operating costs. And I think we, I think we did that. Um, we achieved that in about, I think, 2018. We achieved that. And since then, you know, um, life, life has been much, much more enjoyable and less stressful. That is for sure. Yeah, exactly. And then, you know, there'll be a percentage of your clients that pay up front in full, um, yeah. which means that that is separate to what you've just mentioned about the monthly recurring covering operating costs. Yeah, of course. Um, and also, just to go back to like right at the beginning of this, when we spoke about look, cash flow is not going to solve all of your problems. They're going to be like automatically the happiest version of you. But you've literally just said we achieved this in 2018, and life has been a lot easier since then. It's um, not a coincidence, mate. That since we achieved that, the business has grown rapidly, exactly like, much more quickly than it was previously. And we've managed to well, and and this year we'll will um, by the looks of it um, have our biggest ever year in terms of revenue total um and that's not a coincidence um it's because the foundations are solid um and and i think what you've what you've mentioned here about fixed operating costs and you know recurring regular monthly income out outweighing that that is solid foundation for any business to build on um step number four bank account well, management go yeah yeah so um zero to 100 grand one bank account fine not a problem obviously just be mindful um, when you hit the eighty-five thousand pound a year vat threshold um, 100 grand to 500 grand, really, you need three bank accounts. Uh, what I refer to as M for mother, V uh, for Victor, and P for Papa, MVP. So M is your main account. Um, v is your VAT account. So 20% of all the money that hits your main account is not your uh, account, so you don't get caught short uh, when your VAT quarter is due. And then your P is profit. And so, again, why it's so important to know a, that you are making profit, B, how much, and C, move it into a profit account so that you can see your the fruits of your labor growing. Because um, we will have bad days, but when you look at that profit account and there's a lump of money in there, um, your bad day just to grow a little bit better. <laughs> yeah, I like it. Very good. Um, and would uh, you, you've, you've shared for up to 100K, you can manage with one account. Um, probably 100k to half a million. Obviously, these are you know, rough numbers, but yeah. um, fairly, fairly accurate. Uh, three bank accounts, which you've just shared. Um, half a million plus? 
Yeah, half a million plus. Um, so I'm not saying that you automatically need to go to nine accounts, um, but there's an additional six and you choose which ones are applicable for you, your business, your industry. And uh, it's an acronym that actually spells out select. So you select. So the first one is for supplier account. The second one is the first E, which is employees. Um, yeah. So that's your growing team, freelancers, subcontractors. The L is for long-term expenses. Um, so these are things that you pay every three months or once a year, such as rent and rates every three months, um, maybe insurance that you pay once a year, et cetera. The yeah. second E is expenses being your monthly operating costs, if you want a separate account for that. The C is a client account. So if you often get paid deposits and then you want to um, have that, uh, in a separate account so you can see the difference between your clients that pay monthly or one-off or if there's a, an upfront payment in full. So um, knowing everything that I know, I still kind of like don't leave things to chance. I've got a client account. Six out of every 10 of our clients pay upfront in full. Um, so I put that money in a client account and drip feed it into my main account. Um, so it's almost like I don't trust myself. <laughs> and then the, uh, the T is uh, tax on profits if you're a sole trader or corporation tax if you're a limited company. Cool. So um, again, just to reiterate, I think that's brilliant, by the way, um, for the larger businesses. And um, that's only relevant if you're probably, you know, north of half a million a year in revenue and you might not have all six. It's just really picking the ones that are most relevant for your business and how it operates. So um, I think for simplicity, um, up to 100 grand a year in revenue, one bank account's fine. For, and the majority of people listening are probably going to sit in these categories. Um, up to half a million, three accounts, main VAT account and profit account. And you'd only look at a more complex structure as your business becomes more complex. I think it's probably a fair way to sum it yeah, Exactly. And, and just a, an additional benefit is um, even if you're doing less than 100 grand a year and you wanted to have the three bank accounts, the main bank account, the VAT account and the profit account, and you have the, the standing order and direct debit set up at the 1st and 10th of every, every month, I mean, ultimately, just put yourself in a different position for a moment if you're listening. And if you were a lender, or, yeah. you know, and you were going to lend someone money, are you more likely, you're going to feel better about lending someone that is organized and structured or someone that is messy and disorganized? Yeah. And so ultimately, any anyone that you might deem successful, because we've all got different definitions of success, anyone that you deem is successful, if you ask them, um, about how they got there, at some point they're going to say that they've leveraged some debt. And for you to be able to do that to grow your business, you need to be credit worthy. And these are the kinds of things that sit underneath that in terms of credit worthiness, structured, organized, different bank accounts, um, standing orders and direct debits on certain days of the month. Like these little things go a long way that just chip away at building that credit worthiness. Yeah, I mean, you've got to remember, essentially, for, for any lender, it's a risk management game. And you look at somebody that's got this kind of structure in place financially, they're far less of a risk to lend to or invest in than somebody who's winging it for sure. Um, exactly. Right, last couple of steps, mate. Number five. Yeah, yeah. step five is about remuneration. Essentially how you pay yourself and take money out of the business. Um, this is an acronym that spells BEDS. The B uh, is for benefits. So you get to a certain level in business. You want to start benefiting from um, your business before you get taxed twice. One, tax on profits and two, personal income tax. Mm -hmm. And so you want to try and live as much of your life through the business as possible. But when you get to a certain stage, and you will know based on profit margins, when you can actually put private medical care for you and your family through the business. You know, after the last almost two years that we've all had, you know, because of COVID, 
you know, very, very blessed to have the NHS, obviously, but imagine, God forbid, something happens to you or your partner or, or one of your children and you can't get an appointment for four to six months, you know, and, and you, you know, your child's in pain or whatever. And, and I know I'm being, you know, quite dramatic, but this is stuff that happens every single day. The private medical care will solve that problem. So, you know, being able to benefit from that and save a bit of money as well and put it through the business, as well as things like life insurance. Um, typically, people get that when they get a mortgage or get um, have some children. And then um, I actually added critical illness because at the time we had our first, um, in 2015, our first daughter was born. Um, our mum was also diagnosed with myeloma blood cancer. So I thought, you know, if I don't die, but I can't work because I've got, God forbid, a brain tumour or got cancer, what happens? You know, uh, I don't get a payout unless I die. So, you know, but I can't work. I, I'm unwell. Um, and then the other one's key man insurance as well, um, which is a bit more expensive. But these are the kind of things that you want to be putting through the business. And then, you know, putting some money in your pensions and things like that. I'm not a financial advisor, um, so go and speak to your accountant, your financial advisor about that. But ask them, what can you be putting through the business? And these are just some suggestions that that we do. Um, the E is expenses. So um, for those of us that own our own cars personally uh, or are leasing cars personally that we use to go to business meetings and, you know, uh, drive to events and, and drive to work and that kind of stuff, you can claim back 45p in every mile. You're allowed up to 10,000 miles a year. That's four and a half grand that isn't going to get taxed through tax on profits. Um, and then also, even those of us that have got offices, um, you know, large or small, you know, at some point we have all had Zoom meetings and had a home office, even if it was the spare room or the bedroom or whatever it was, um, there is uh, an element of that that you can claim back and actually essentially your business is paying you personally to rent a room in your house as a home office um, so again speak to your account about that it's just about how you take money out of your business uh, as efficiently as possible but also in line with, you, with what your future financial plans are as well because if you're looking to get on the property ladder and get a mortgage or get a buy to let mortgage or make some other investments personally make sure that you don't undo your future plans with what you're doing in terms of taking money out of your business today yeah. Um, and then the D is for dividends if you're a limited company and S is for salary. That's Very step good. five. Wicked. Nice one. Um, so also I'm aware on step five re re remuneration, it, a lot of the specifics that you've just given, George, are UK based um, for, you know, for, for uh, the UK audience. And, you know, there may be people listening to this internationally. The principle is still the same but maybe the application of it might be a bit different depending on what country your business is registered in. But you should certainly speak to your accountant, your, um, you know, your financial advisor to see what benefits in your country you can run through your business. Um, you know, George mentioned a couple, which expenses, what are the benefits that you can, uh, or, or the expenses that you can run through the business and, and how you can uh, take advantage of that. Um, the rules around dividends, the rules around salary. But you know, like you say, I mean, ultimately, my guess is the reason you started your business is because you wanted to um, have more time and more money. And, uh, and of course, so this step five, how you get paid, how you get um, or how you benefit financially from the profitability of the business is uh, a key factor for sure. Um, number six. Yeah, exactly. Good shout. Um, before number six, I was, like it's so interesting because nobody this is like this is like our mission statement um, or part of it like nobody ever started their own business so that they can work more hours for less money with more stress but it fucking happens all the time yeah 
So ultimately, you want to put yourself in the best position for you and your family, and there's just some of the ways you can do that. Um, step six is um, retention of clients which is very, very underused, in my opinion. I think um, you kind of share the same opinion in that, Nick. I've heard you talk about this as well. Yeah, I talk about it loads, mate. I, I actually would suggest that um, most businesses, certainly in the service-based industry, um, they should be putting more focus on this than they are on winning new clients, marketing, uh, new client, new customer acquisition. Um, that most don't, and that's to their detriment. We, we put so much, as you know, mate, we put so much focus on this. Um, and, you know, that was ultimately why we increased profit during the pandemic. It's ultimately why the business has grown year on year, um, you know, since we started and continues to do so because we're focusing more on this than we are on new business. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so for me, um, this is really important. And um, so I've, what I'm going to share with you now is the three R's of retention. And so the mindset um, before the three R's is really, really important. So I go into every client meeting um, with the thought of, right, how can I add so much fucking value to this person and their business and their family that we can then absolutely smash those three R's? The first R is repeat business. Yeah. So again, if people are paying you on a monthly basis, then that takes that box. But it also, by extension, is the renewal next year if you work on 12-month programs or you know whatever your business is. Um, the second R is reviews and even better, video testimonials. Because um, I've found that over the years, the more video testimonials you put out there, the more inquiries you attract when you're speaking uh, to a client and sending a quote or proposal or tender, depending on your, your type of business, you send them a video testimonial of someone that, that literally got results um, in the, the service of the product that this new potential client um, is looking to get, it's just going to hit home. And um, the third R is referrals. And by the so, way, on, on reviews and referrals, George, um, statistically, if somebody gives you a review or a testimonial or makes a referral, they are more likely to do number one, which is repeat business. Exactly. Because they're kind of like convincing themselves, they're reminding themselves about how good your product, your service is, how valuable it was to them. So, um, yeah, for sure. I think uh, the reviews, I wanted to jump in when you were talking about reviews. I'm like, you should get reviews, testimonials, et cetera, um, endorsements, because it will help on your marketing. It will help on gaining new customers. But the hidden benefit is it is also likely to retain and cause the person who gave you the review to be a repeat customer yeah absolutely and, and the case study that i actually used um i actually used it this weekend at a different presentation as well but at AE uh, in september a couple of months ago was um who's now become a, a good friend as well luke from fnl kitchens national kitchen company i give him a little plug um he started working with me in july last year um 432 grand in his previous 12 months so over 800 grand uh, so we absolutely smashed that. He was really happy because I went in with that mindset. Um, he's then renewed three months early in April this year before July this year um, and paid up front in four for two years. Uh, he's then given us a video testimony, which obviously we share at events and stuff like that. And then he's, at the moment, I think we're up to like 11 referrals of which six have become clients from him. Um, and it's just, you know, I literally go into conversations with this guy thinking, right, how can I absolutely smash uh, what this guy wants from me today or in this meeting or this month or you know and um, it's just that mentality and don't get me wrong you know some of you might be thinking yeah that's all good and well but what 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 about as your business grows and you can't give that sort of like you know that that intense 
uh, level of service, you can just different versions of it as your team grows. In fact, you can probably give a different, maybe better version of that because you've got a growing team. So, oh, mate, without a doubt, we, I, I'm convinced we give a way better service, way better experience now than we did five years ago. And I'm not doing most of it <laughs> um, yeah. because we've got people that are better at it and can put more time into it than, than I can. But just, just like, just to capture what you said there, mate, you know, th this one client of yours has given you 11 referrals, six have become clients. How, how much time and money would you normally have had to invest to get six new clients? And all you really did here was just served this existing client at a very, very high level um, and therefore, the you know the referrals, um, the introductions, the recommendations. Therefore, clients came as a result. So I think I think that sixth step retention of clients um, is massively underused, underutilized, undervalued for sure. Yeah, and actually, just two very very interesting points on the back of what you just said there. One is um, when someone comes to you as a referral, they're more likely to um, you know let's just have a, a real conversation, convert quicker. Um, they're more likely to pay your fees, less likely to reduce your prices like we spoke about before. Um, they're more likely to stay with you longer. They're more likely to give you a testimonial. They're more likely to um, be more engaged and because there's this common denominator of the person that, that, that's introduced you and give you a referral. So that's that that time and effort point of view as well um, and, and to build your business on. But the actual second part, because we're talking about cash flow, is it slashes your client acquisition cost. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, summarize that. A referred client is generally a better client than a cold new client. Like they're more likely to do all the things you just said. Um, and uh, like, like you say, there's no or very little financial cost of acquiring. Might be an investment of time, but really you've got to look yourself in the mirror and ask, like, really, you should be investing that time anyway in delivering a great experience for your client, for your customer. Yeah, um, and ironically, um, Luke was actually referred in the first place by someone else. Of course. Yeah, well, that, well, that just that just uh, hits home um, or drives home the point that you, you've just been making. So, um, listen, mate, this has been brilliant. So much practical, like, immediately usable advice. So, you know, we, we haven't kept this, like, high-level philosoph um, philosophy. We've gone really really specific and tactical, which I know the uh, the audience here, the listeners to the Empire Builders podcast love. So thank you so much for your time. I know there's actually loads more that you can share and and, and will share with our audience going forward. I think you know, we, we've talked about another episode on a completely separate topic that I think um, will really benefit our audience. So I'm sure we'll, we'll get you back on to talk about that sometime soon. Cool. Appreciate the time, mate. Appreciate the opportunity and the, uh, and the friendship and the guidance, mate. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, real quick one before you before you dash off. Um, if somebody would like to learn more from you about cash flow, about having better financial man management systems and processes in their business, what's the best way for them to contact you to learn more? Yeah, so probably the best, quickest, and easiest is to um, find me on Instagram, uh, and my handle is George Cashflow. If you haven't got Instagram, um, get ready. Uh, my, my full name is George. Theodosio, you can find me on Facebook, and that's spelled T-H-E-O-D-O-S for Sierra, I-O-U. Amazing. So, yeah, George Cashflow on, <laughs> on Instagram is probably the easiest way, <laughs> for sure. Um, but listen, mate, uh, thank you so much. And, and again, you know, uh, I, I do really appreciate your support, um, your loyalty to 
expert empires to the elite closing academy to our, our group and our, our mission for sure it's been a, a pleasure to work with you uh, closely over the last few years and excited to do that in the future and and of course you know um it's been a pleasure to become friends as well uh, and and to share time you know families and stuff like that I'm, I'm excited for us to do even more of that so um thanks again mate really appreciate your time thank you appreciate you mate Okay, that's it for today. Thank you so much for listening to Empire Builders. Please subscribe, leave us a review on Apple, on Spotify, on other platforms, and uh, share the love, tell your friends. Remember till next time, the more you connect, the more you collect.